Good morning, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Welcome, welcome to everyone. Today is Sunday, April 2nd, 2023, and my name is Melanie C. I am the moderator for this Sunday special edition, and, I'm a, and I am living a recovered life in Canby, Oregon. The share ID numbers for Friday, March 31st, 2023 are the following. The 7 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting, share ID number is 20110, that's 20,110. And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Time Big Book Study Meeting, the share ID number is 20111, 20,111. This morning, A Vision for You presents Step 12, Working with Others. Helping others is a foundation stone of recovery. It is the overarching view of the big book of AA. We do this to pay forward what we have so generously been given by another. Although we do this for fun and for free, we find that staying sober ourselves is the outcome of that. Yet to reach out our hand to those still suffering so that they too might have what we were unselfishly and handsomely given is a responsibility we must take. From our firsthand personal experience, we can help another like no one can. The miracle of recovery happens by moving through all 12 steps. This is the whole point of joining Overeaters Anonymous. Those of us who have had a spiritual awakening are now transformed. Our minds and bodies have been restored. Therefore, we are charged with a responsibility. This responsibility to carry the same message, the same way that we were guided through to one who is still suffering. And what is the message that we, have a, that we have had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps? We had been asleep and at present are awakened. Chapter 7 of the big book outlines exactly how we are to deliver this message to others. We submit to a simple process that is not quite so easy, yet takes us to a place where we had never been before and that we had hoped to always go. Its evidence is such that we didn't even know that this place could exist. It's a wonderful place, living recovered. We are guided through a specific method that brings us back to life, an abundant life, a personal transformation in thought, feeling, and behavior in the way we approach every little thing. Relationships are revived. Careers are restored. Life has new meaning. It's joy unspeakable and we want to pass this on. We must pass this on as a guide to shine the light, but not be the light that has been recovered through the 12-step process to another suffering compulsive overeater. The big book suggests that we continue to utilize this method each day, holding out our hand in order to grow in understanding and usefulness. We are therefore able to align with power to live out our lives as changed, vibrant, contributing human beings It is a spiritual journey of reciprocity. How is it possible and what must we do? One, what does the big book teach? What must we follow? It is possible because the big book is clear on the directions and the promises by passing this on. Step 12, chapter 7 of the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. That's what it teaches us. Line upon line paragraph upon paragraph, 
on just exactly what to do. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics, but in our case, compulsive overeaters, and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Today, our guest speaker is going to outline the vital importance of the practice of Step 12 and her experience, what it was like and what it is like now by doing so. It is riveting to, it's going to be riveting to hear what this has done for her and how its transforming power has given to both she as the guide and the protege, the suffering compulsive overeater. It is a, it is a real coming to light of life experience. A vision for you is happy to welcome our guest speaker to the line this morning. She comes to us today from Kentucky, and she will teach and inspire in the quest for guiding a suffering compulsive overeating on their compulsive overeater on their way to back to health. And we're grateful to have her here today. Strong, a strong standing member of a vision for you. She brings tremendous experience, strength, and hope that others might find the peace and serenity that she has found as a privilege of sponsoring. And please help me welcome to the line today our guest speaker. And we are delighted to have you here today. Welcome, Becca R. Hi, thanks for that beautiful introduction. My name is Becca R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Kentucky, but I'm actually calling from Longboat Key, Florida this morning. And I just want to start with a prayer. God, please use me. Use me as an example of what you've done with my life. Help me to show others what can happen with their life. I want you to be the hero of this story, God. Help me to speak honestly, openly, and help me to remember that everything I have is a gift from you. Amen. I am so happy to be here this morning. I feel like I ran an obstacle course of trying to make this phone call happen this morning. Um, It's been a whirlwind of the last 24 hours of traveling. I woke up with a dead phone and um, luckily where we're staying, they still have telephones in the hotel rooms. So I'm able to call in on the, on the phone and I'm finding gratitude in that this morning. Um, saying that though, all of my notes, all of my preparation, all of my plan were on my little handheld device that is a brick right now because it won't turn on. So I'm going to go with what I have. I'm also going to preface that I'm on a hotel cordless phone that I believe is fully charged, but should it die... I'll have to call back in. Okay, so the reason I wanted to speak on step 12 was because recently finishing the steps, I was really hesitant to sponsor. I had grand ideas of participating in meetings, of doing service in meetings, 
even pondered starting a new meeting face-to-face in my town. But all of those ideas were grounded in, and then I won't need to sponsor. (laughs) I was very hesitant because, well, I could give you a, a million reasons of why, but ultimately, when I go back to step six and seven, sponsorship presses me into those character defects like nothing else. I'm a people pleaser. I'm poor at setting boundaries. I can be um, fuzzy when I communicate. I don't communicate clearly. I have all of these character defects which are so difficult for me to combat if I'm sponsoring. And so as an addict, I want the easier, softer way. I don't want to do it. Also, one of my character defects is lazy. So I went to my sponsor and I had this grand idea, you know, I'll do this and I'll do this and I'll do this but I won't do that. And it felt very similar to when I first came to program, and I was willing to do this, this, and this, but I won't do that. And I'm so grateful for clear sponsorship, and my sponsor very kindly reminded me, do you remember at the beginning when you came to me desperate and you were willing to do anything? Yes, yes, sponsor, I remember that. (laughs) And she reminded me that it is through this work. It isn't through service on a meeting. It isn't through starting a new meeting. It is through taking one, uh, it is through one recovered compulsive overeater, helping another compulsive overeater, just as Bill did, just as the first 100 did, just as our society does. That is where the magic lies. That is where my recovery started to blossom. It was very difficult for me um, because I have three kids. I'm a wife. I'm a mom. I'm busy. Uh, I had a newborn when I came into program last time, and he's my, my youngest has never really slept well. And I had all these excuses, as I'm sure many of us do. But my sponsor lovingly reminded me that what I have been given in my recovery, is it's like a magic power. My recovery is something that nobody else can give away. I don't know about you guys, but I went and saw so many professionals seeking help for manifestations of this disease. Just tell me what to do. Tell me what to eat. Tell me how to do this. And no one could ever help me. But the gift that my sponsor was able to give me through her own recovery, through her own experience, is what saved my life. And that is what I have to give to someone else. And I want to go back to 
those character defects, you know. If I'm honestly praying for God to remove these character defects, to replace them with the opposites, you know, where there is selfishness and self-seeking, you know, replace it with humbleness and where there's hard lines and um, unclear boundaries, you know, replace them with um, compassion and being able to effectively communicate. It really gave me the perfect opportunity to practice all of these new behaviors that were contrary to my character defects. And this was also a new awakening for me because in the past I had done steps six and seven and it was like a little blip on my timeline of recovery. But as I'm learning now, step six and seven is an ongoing thing. Like I'm constantly praying for God to give me opportunities to practice opposite of these character defects. I just want to qualify. When I came into program, um, it was about seven years ago, and I was crazy with food. I was an anorexic, a bulimic, compulsive overeater, exercise bulimic, um, and I did nuts. I was nuts with food. And so when I came into OA, I quickly found recovery, and I'm so grateful that I found this meeting. I've been coming to this meeting for about seven years. And what I found in this meeting was an approach to my disease that, oddly enough, I had never been exposed to. Like I said, I'd been to very a lot of therapies and a lot of professionals seeking help. And even in some face-to-face OA meetings, I had never heard the big book pressed as much as I did when I came into this healthy, recovered OA meeting. And what I found was that the big book really came alive for me. I could see that my powerlessness with food, with weight, with the obsessiveness, the compulsiveness of this disease, um, like there was nothing I could do on my own volition to remedy it, just like the book says. I was powerless, I was powerless, I was powerless, I was powerless, and I remember saying to my sponsor from this little, small voice, I can't do this. And she enthusiastically responded, great, that's just where you're supposed to be, because you can't. But just like we read in How It Works, God could and would if he were sought. And so just like so much of my surrender, I sought this higher power with all all the energy of a drowning man, like the book says. I sought a new experience, and my sponsor moved me quickly and very thoroughly through the 12 steps of recovery. She worked with me intensively, and I can see now her intensive work with me 
was to ensure her own recovery. There would be times that I would go days without speaking to her or, you know, I would send text message after text message about life. You know, it's it's too hard. I can't meet today. I can't do this today. And she would just gently say, you know, we need to move quickly. My recovery depends on this just as much as yours. And I remembered that, okay, I want a new experience. I'm willing to go to any lengths. I'm going to do everything I can do. I'm a planner, and I'm very methodical, and I wanted, like, to see the schedule and what it was going to look like, and, and that wasn't the case for us. We moved aggressively through the work. The minute I would finish something, she would make time to go over it, and we would move on. There was never any, like, resting. I didn't do my fifth step and um, take a break. Uh, It was constant movement through the steps. The only break (laughs) that I tried to finagle was at the completion of the steps. And I remember announcing myself as a sponsor and getting a sponsee and kind of working with them, Um, but it didn't, it wasn't that aggressive work. It wasn't that my life depended on it. It was more, your life probably depends on it. You need to do the work. But the big book tells me that if I am to stay sober, if I am to stay in fit spiritual condition, I have to do this work of carrying the message to other compulsive over ears. And I'd lived in really black and white thinking. Imagine that, a compulsive eater in black and white thinking. And so I had to really let go of some of my old ideas around sponsorship. And I'll give you an example. I used to think that It was the sponsee's responsibility to to do all the reaching out. You know, if they don't call today, then, you know, they're dead to me. You know, that's on them. But I've learned of late that there's just so much compassion. Like, it takes – there were so many times that my own sponsor would reach out to me and say, hey, haven't heard from you today. How you doing? Let's move on. Let's keep going. How can I help? Instead of this black and white, you're not doing it perfect, you're not doing it right, you know, you're in or you're out. And I really appreciate that. It has manifested, um, that black and white thinking has manifested in my life in so many different areas. And so I really feel like God has given me this opportunity to just continue to uncover Um, I don't know if I'd call it a character defect, but definitely a manifestation of my disease, this all-or-nothing thinking. And so I try to do that with my sponsees. If I haven't heard from them, I reach out to them. How can I help? What's going on? The last time I spoke, you said this. How's that going? Um, And it's really made me feel more tender and approachable. I know in my past performance reviews at my work 
I would always get the same comments as um, being harsh or abrasive or unapproachable. And I feel like this kind of goes all the way back to that of just softening me. When I came into the program and my sponsor was talking about step one with me, she asked me, she said, who do you, who, are you who you think God wants you to be? And I said, no. And there were so many facets of that. You know, of course, I wasn't doing the esteemable things with food that led me to Overeaters Anonymous. But there were also parts of me that I just didn't feel like they suited with my ideal self that God would want me to be. And so sponsorship has just given me this beautiful opportunity to work on all of those things. It's given me the opportunity to um, communicate clearly. I have such a fear that people aren't going to like me and that if I give them um, the the version of program that I do, that it's going to be, it's just going to seem like it's too much. This is too extreme. And I, I think I, once I was even prefacing it as, like, I have a pretty extreme uh, food plan. You're probably not going to want, you know, I do a lot of work. And then a fellow said, you know, why are, why are you watering it down? Like, if it was stage four cancer, the oncologist wouldn't say, like, this is going to be pretty extreme, this chemotherapy, but it will save your life. And so I started rephrasing um, things like that. This is what I do. This is what I can give you. I've heard other fellows say it's like when the Titanic went down and we all have different color life of this. And some people don't want our color, and that's okay. Like, go find a different color. But this is all I have to offer. So, yes, um, what sponsorship has given me has been a new experience with my higher power. My sponsor suggested from day one that I spend time with God, prayer and on the bat, 20 minutes a day. You know, cultivate it, nurture it. Don't wait till step 11 to start. Just make that time. Make it part of your day. Shortly after I started incorporating gratitude lists to my daily practice, and both of those things began to weave through the day. Um, Instead of just bookending, you know, waking up, God, keep me abstinent and keep me out of the food and the food behaviors today. And at night, God, thank you for keeping me abstinent. You know, I was able to weave this sense of closeness to my creator, to to my higher power um, in everything. And yes, of course, it first started with the food. Like, don't, God, help me from this binge or help me from this craving or help me from going to that drive through But now it is just as much as, like, when my cell phone doesn't 
work in the morning. Okay, God, what should I do next? <laughs> um, and this God consciousness has appeared. The um, being able to share that with other fellows is a constant reminder for myself of how I can be acting. Um, when a sponsee asks me a question or asks me a suggestion or what would you do in this case, it's not an original answer, you guys, but it's what did your prayer and meditation say? What did you hear? Have you made that spot and time with God to seek his guidance? Because nowhere in the big book does it say we have to get everything approved from our sponsor. As a sponsor, I feel like my job is to put my sponsee's hand into the hand of God's. How do I do that? I give them the program that was so freely given to me, steps 1 through 12. I do think it's important to go through the steps quickly. And my sponsor really pressed that for me because that's where... That's where we get our hand in the hand of God's is through the 12th step to complete the work, to do the work. There were so, I'm such a perfectionist that if I had sponsored myself, I would still be in step, in the steps. I'd probably still be in my fourth step because it wouldn't have been perfect. But my sponsor really pressed me to, to walk through the discomfort, walk through it and get recovered and by getting recovered, meaning complete the 12 steps, do it, and then start sponsoring. And to me, sponsoring was just going to be a thorn in my side, like something else I'm going to have to add to my busy schedule, so another phone call, more time that I just don't have. But anybody who's been recovered or has been in recovery knows that there's this crazy thing that happens of when we have so much on our plate, if we just keep program in the middle of it, everything just seems to balance out itself. And where I didn't think I would have a second more time, I've all of a sudden got these little chunks of time for God, for outreach calls, for sponsorship, for step work, for podcasts, for meetings. When I look at it as a whole and I think, where in the world am I going to fit this into my busy life? Then that's me, again, in the director's seat trying to play God. But when I can sit back and look at my 24 hours, how can I be of service today? Where's my service opportunity today? I get so scared. It it tests me so much when someone asks me to work with them because I just, it's it brings up this tremendous fear that I can't perform, that I can't do this. It's too much. It's too hard. I want to haul past. Let me go home. Um, and God just reminds me, like, this is exactly where you're supposed to be. I've equipped you. I've given you this message of death and weight that you can share with someone else. And I'm just reminded Another thing that has been really helpful in um, my recovery this time 
and I say this time, I've I've been in program for seven years, and I've had definitely different periods of where the road has gotten narrower, and my program has evolved. I've had a couple different sponsors, but I do identify as a recovered compulsive overeater today, meaning that I've experienced spiritual transformation. I'm neutral with food and exercise and scale numbers, and I do believe I'm living in the sunlight of the spirit. But as I entered this last season of recovery, something I did was to get on a 10-step train, and if you're interested in that, I'm happy to share more offline, but it's essentially I'm paired up with someone for two weeks, and we share 10 steps each day, and when I first started this practice, I thought, there's no way I'm going to have a resentment or a fear every single day. Well, let me tell you, it's very frequent that I don't have a resentment or a fear, And it's a beautiful opportunity to connect with fellows and to just stay really clear on I cannot have any kind of emotional buildup. Even these um, small things, those are the things that will lead me back to old patterns and behaviors. So to circle back, I wanted to go to that. Something that I've developed in this practice of doing a daily 10th step is um, utilizing the idea of two-way prayer. And so for me, what that looks like is when I get, um, if I'm doing, specifically if I'm doing a fear, uh, God, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that I'm going to sound like a bozo on this vision for you meeting this morning. And then I put my hand on my heart and I ask God, you know, remove this fear from me. Replace it with the truth of what you would have me be. And God just says to me, I've I've brought you here, Becca. This is exactly where I want you. You don't have to save the world. All you have to do is share your experience, strength, and hope. You have something to share. You have people you can help. Share my love. Share my message. And it's just been a really great tool for me to use that two-way prayer to really encapsulate what what my purpose is. And it really helps get me out of the driver's seat and back into the passenger seat where I belong. I love the third step um, readings in the big book. He is the teacher. We are the student. He is the principal. We are the agent. I don't have to run the whole show again. And even when it comes in sponsorship, sponsorship can be hard for my ego because I want to get up there on my pedestal and shout to the mountains, it's it's this, it's not that, it's this way, not that way, you do it my way or no way. And what I've found is a lot of the stuff that comes out of my mouth brings it back to God. Like what what would you, what do you think your higher power would want you to do here? Have you taken it to prayer and meditation? I can't say what someone's food plan has to be. I don't know what your alcoholic foods are. Like, that's something you're going to have to go and get quiet with your higher power. That's between your heart and your higher power. Only you know. I can share with you what I did. 
how I found that, what was suggested to me. And my goodness, if I don't have any experience, I will help you find someone who does. That's the beauty of this program. I used to live in this very black and white thinking, even when it came to um, how many people I would sponsor. You know, if I was only, if I had two spots and I had filled both of those spots, um, it was it was all of a sudden that door was closed. Nope, I'm not sponsoring, I'm not sponsoring. And what I've learned recently is, oh, I'm not sponsoring, but can I help you find someone? Can I, can I invite you to this meeting that I'm going to go to where I know there's available sponsors? Let me look into my endless contacts of OA friends in my phone and, and get you some numbers. Really changing that black and white thinking, that all or nothing, to being able to see how can I how can I be of service? Um, I'm a box checker. Like I want to check the box and be done with it. And sometimes, for me, I'm learning that it's just not that simple. And I get I'm very black and white when it comes to food food behaviors, ingredients. But I really feel like for me and my character defects, I'm learning to live in some more gray areas. I'm learning to step out and experience some uncomfortableness and and trying something new, doing something new, trying a new approach. Um my, I'm currently sponsoring, I wanted, I wanted to share this, I'm currently sponsoring um, two people in OA, and they are very different from me, and the the beautiful thing is one of them is on step six, and one of them's on step three. This has brought me back around so as my sponsees were in steps one two and three you know I'm going through my own powerlessness I'm we're talking we're we're connecting I'm remembering my own um white knuckle abstinence there in the beginning when food was still so so loud and I had to develop a support system and I'm remembering what it was like and I'm goodness that my higher power has given me through the freedom of recovery. And it reminds me that I have this secret power, um, this message with depth and weight, this this story that I don't, I've really been, I've been interested lately of the attraction rather than promotion. I'm a great salesman. Like, if I find a product that I love, I'm going to tell everyone I know about it. (laughs) And chances are you're going to buy it. I don't have to do this with OA. All I have to do is live this beautiful life that God has given me with these new set of principles, honesty, open-mindedness, willingness, and that is the attraction. I don't have to promote. Overeaters Anonymous is the way to do it. I've it saved me. It's that you know. 
However, I do want people to know, and I've struggled with this, um, with sharing over Eaters Anonymous with other people. And to those of you on the line today who have stories like that, I just, I thank you. I thank you of your bold your bold shares of how you've carried the message. And I just I soak those up because that's an area that I really struggle with. Um, because I do, I feel like I've been given this gift and I do want to give it away. So knowing the, the limits of promoting away and um, letting someone know the gift. And again, I have to take ego out of it. I have to take me out of it. And I'm already thinking, like, what would God have me say? You know, God wouldn't have me screaming from the rooftops, but God would have me say something. He wouldn't have me be quiet. So the 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 last few things I wanted to say about just sponsoring is, and this is totally my opinion. I am so, I've shared with you a little bit about my black and white thinking and my perfectionism. When I was in, when I'm in, as I've been in recovery, I can tend to ruminate on food. And what I mean by that is I'm not doing it perfect. And then my first instinct, if I'm not doing it perfect, is to beat myself up. I'm no good. I can't help anybody. I need to rework the steps. And my opinion is that that is a piece, a component of my disease, to be in self and to be in self-will and to, to not be useful to anybody but I know I've seen people come along, I need to work the steps, I need to work the steps, I need to work the steps. And it's a it's a tightrope. I mean, I'm not going to say that if you're in the food, you, you're in the food. But I just know for me there was a lot of perfectionism, and I wanted to do it perfect. And the minute I wasn't doing it perfect, my instinct was to beat myself up. I'm no good. I'm bad. I can't help anybody. Let me find a new sponsor and restart the steps. And it goes back to that black and white thinking. Like, it's all or nothing. And what my sponsor has done with me has lovingly continued to help me put my hand in the hand of God to pray, to meditate, to get really clear about what God would have me be. And it's been a new experience. I am still um, um, I'm abstaining from, you know, compulsive overeating. I, I eat three weighed and measured meals a day. I don't eat in between. I stay away from my alcoholic foods. Food is very quiet for me. Um, But I can eat a weighed and measured planned meal and eat it a little aggressively. And then I'll think, oh, no, I'm not doing it perfect. I just, 
I just ate, I just chewed that food up too fast. You know, it's not perfect. I need to go back to step one. And that's the kind of thinking, and maybe I sound like a total nut job to you guys, but that's the kind of thinking that is part of my disease, is this perfectionism, this black and white. And when I go back to the literature, when I read the words on the pages, it says over and over and over, work with others will save me. And with that, I pass. Thank you very much, Becca R. That was a wonderful presentation and a testimony to what happens as a result of community, you know, and sharing this and passing this on. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. And I want to make sure that folks know that we will ask Becca R. for her contact information at the conclusion of this meeting. So stick around to the very, very, very last top of the hour to be able to receive that. It'll be after the recording has stopped. So listen for that. That's in order to protect her anonymity. The share ID number for today, Sunday, September 20th, 2023, is the following, 20114-20114 for your future listening. Privilege there. So the lines are now open for questions. If you have a question for Becca, please unmute your phone by pressing star one on your phone keypad. Offer your first name and the first letter of your last name and your state if you'd like to. And once you've asked for a question, please press star one again to remute your line so it's nice and quiet. Who would like to ask Becca a question this morning? Alex and Eugene or Minnesota. I hear Alex and I hear Mary Lee. And I hear oh, right. from Minnesota. Who did I hear from Minnesota? Thank you so much, Bonnie B. Is that you, Bonnie? Okay, great, Bonnie. Yeah. Thanks so much. And then who else? All right. I heard several people Loretta at once, H. and I'm sorry. I heard I heard Loretta, but I think I heard others before them. So who do we? Alexa Zeth from New Jersey. Alexa. Roy. Okay. And Marie. Roy. Marie M. Hang on just one second. Let me get the Anne Marie down and then, okay, go again. Royce, New Orleans. Royce. Is that Royce Ann? Denise O. And Denise, did I hear Denise O? Patricia P. Did I hear, I got you, Patricia. Did I hear Denise O at all? Maybe not. Okay. I heard Patricia P. Anybody else? I did hear Denise. Okay. And you'll give me your last initial pretty soon here. Okay, anybody else? Freya H. Hey, Freya. Gotcha. And Lee how about H. anyone else? Lee H. This is a lot of wonderful people to ask questions. This is fantastic. We hope to get to all of you today. So hang tight, and, and our apologies if we don't. But let's get going on these nice Fresh questions. <laughs> okay, Alice A., you're first with your question, then you'll be followed by Mary Lee from Oregon. Thank you. This is Alice A. from Alabama. And thanks, Becca. That was wonderful. What I wanted to ask you about was the 10th step train that you're on. For me, 10th steps were always something I just couldn't let go of. There are certain things that will come up and I'll think, gosh, I'm being selfish. And I can turn in prayer to God and 
you know, I can relieve that. And so I have been tempted to get on a 10-step train, but then I think, you know, there's not a lot of things right now. I mean, when they come up, I do a 10-step, but I do, I'm on the 11th-step uh, train, and so I talk about some of my character defects then if they come up. Just like as an example, yesterday I was driving down the road, and it was storming and I was going to be late for where I was going and you know I just got kind of upset and I thought you know I'm really being selfish because I want things to go my way but I was able to see that and God and I were able to laugh over that so I didn't feel like that's something I needed to do a 10 step on so I just wanted to know how you decide you know something is that you really need to do a 10 step on it and thank you. Thanks, Alice, for the question. Looks like there's a two-parter there. The 10-step train, 11-step train would be somewhat of an outside issue, so we probably wouldn't address that. But the second part, Becca, did you catch that? That's a good question for you. Yeah, and I think it's lovely to hear you, Alice. It's, I think for me it just goes back to everybody's going to have their own practices of how we're tethered to program, and I really – appreciate having that daily accountability of tether to someone else my life can get really busy and chaotic and before I know it I haven't made an outreach call in days so that's just another little bit of immunity but again I wouldn't um, I wouldn't like try to dissect it and analyze it and am I doing it right am I doing it right it sounds like you're doing it just right Thanks for the question, Alice. And just for those that are in the room here, on page 84, second paragraph, about midway down on the page, you have the precise directions on how to do a step 10 there. And that's uh, excellent to know that we have directions in the big book. Next up is Mary Lee from Oregon with your question, followed by Bonnie B. Good morning. Did you say Mary Lee R? I did. Hey, good morning to you. Good morning. I'm in Eugene, Oregon, and it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Um, my question is your 20 minutes. Can you give me um, your uh, – do you have a process? Or do you have, like, a routine, or are you open? Does that question make sense? <laughs> it does. It does. Thank um, you. I feel like in another life when my kids are grown and I'm retired, it's going to look so different. But right now what it looks like is I get up about a half hour before I get on to a 6 a.m. meeting. And I have my coffee. I pop my headphones in or I don't, but I have quiet. It's just quiet. And if you have kids, you know what I mean. Like it, I enjoy the quiet. I drink my coffee. I commune with God. Sometimes I'll read the some of the daily readers. Sometimes I'll do two-way prayer. Sometimes I'll just sit in silence. Sometimes I'll um, do some writing. I mean, it's different for me, but it is that designated, I, I set my alarm, I wake up when I don't want to because I have to do it before my kids come get up because when they once they're up it's all all horses are off to the races. <laughs> Thank you. Perfect. Thank you for your question, Mary Lee. Next up, Bonnie B with your question, followed by Loretta H. Good Bonnie. morning everyone. Thank you. 
Thank you, Melanie, for your amazing service. And Becca, oh my goodness, we have spoken in the past. Um, I remember you, maybe you don't remember me and that's okay, but your story is more my story. So a question for you with regards to sponsoring. Um, you know, I, I also didn't sponsor initially and lost my um, program over it and then got one sponsor and, or one sponsee, I'm sorry. And, and they just didn't connect as often as I wanted. And so now I have multiple sponsees knowing that I'll always have someone who's like, I'm talking with them on a regular basis. Do you have a time frame? Like, um, you know, do you say if you sponsor someone, you need to be, we need to be in contact, you know, um, you know, I'll give you an assignment within three days so that we can keep moving through this or do you just leave it open-ended? So that's the question. And thank you so much for your service again, Becca. Beautiful share. Thanks, Bonnie. And, of course, I remember you, my dear friend. Um, yeah, so that's another that's another one of those areas for me that I want it to be black and white, like you do this or I'll fire you. <laughs> and what I've found is that that is not what God would have me be. And so one of my character defects is not being clear about expectations or communicating effectively. And so... I do a process that is not original. My sponsor did it with me, but we actually call it the pre-step work. And it's just a few assignments that um, are intended to go through basically honest, open willingness in three days and have frequent communication through those three days where we're you're doing the work, you're calling me, you're telling me about the work, we're talking about it. And it really, and I will tell them, it gives me a feel for your commitment to do the work. And at the end of those three days, I tell them that's when we'll decide if sponsorship is something that's going to work. So, again, it presses me into being really effective and clear, and, um, and it lets them know let the sponsee know my approach is intensive. And I'm happy to talk more offline, too. It's it's a really delicate dance. Thank you for your question, Bonnie B. in Minnesota. And, and just a reminder that we will get Becca our contact information at the conclusion of this meeting today if you would like to be in contact further. Uh, Loretta? H, your question now, followed by Alexa. Good morning, Melody, and good morning, Becca. This is Loretta H. in North Carolina, and I loved your share. I love your insight. My question is, because you talk a lot about perfection, and that's part of my defensive character. When, and I've really tried to turn it around with connection, because I heard that on my morning prayer one morning connection instead of perfection. But when do you know that somebody or you want their recovery more than they do? Uh, do you have any insight into that? Because sometimes I don't know whether it's perfection or that I'm not connecting properly with them. And that's, you know, my dilemma. Because I, I never fire anybody. But let them go. I, you know, I keep them on my, um, especially on my heart. So, anyway, um, 
I don't know if that's confusing, but I hope you can answer that. Thank you. And again, you've got the bit in your mouth in Kentucky. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I... Um... I just continue to to lay out what I can give them, what I'm, you know, and here's here's my deal. I don't have, I don't say we're going to meet every day at 6.45 a.m. for 15 minutes, um, mostly because my schedule isn't like that. But I do what my sponsor did with me, and I say I'm willing to work as fast and as aggressively as you can. And... Yes, I have three kids. Yes, I'm a wife. Yes, I'm a mom. Yes, I have a very busy life. But this is also my medicine. And so what that might look like is getting up extra early so that we can have time to do step work before 6 a.m. What that might look like is that I'm going to have a babysitter come and watch my kids so that I can give you a block of time to do your fifth step. I mean, I have a dear friend who says, we have to work this program aggressively. And if I'm working it aggressively, I'm probably not caught up to the date on my Netflix series. I'm probably, you know, like, and and that's when I came in, I was willing to do anything. Oh, my gosh, just get me out of the food. Help me to see this beautiful life God has given me. I was I was so desperate. But once I'm removed from that pain, then I... I think that I don't have to work as hard, but that's not true for me. I, I have to be just as aggressive. And the beauty is is that when I, you know, add something else on to this huge plate of to-dos, if I can keep recovery at the center, everything works out. And I'm a better wife. I'm a better mom. I'm a better friend. I'm a better fellow. I hope that helps. Thank you very much, Loretta, for your question. That's Loretta from North Carolina. Alexa, your question is now, and then followed by Lori. Alexis F. from New Jersey. I'd like to ask Becca about two-way prayer. Is it only a few times in my life have I heard God's voice distinctly talk to me? Um, do you hear it as a hazy thought that comes to your head? preceding what you do, like, um, you know, that that's a good idea to do that or uh, do this next. Or um, when you sit in two-way prayer, uh, do you hear a clear voice or do you hear a hazy thought? Thanks for the question. Um, I don't... I think for me, I have a very, my higher power talks to me like I talk to my kids. And so sometimes it's, you know, my kid will try to put a square peg into a round hole over and over and over and over and over. And I'll just lovingly like give him the round peg to put in the round hole. Um, So sometimes God gives me things like that, like, oh, I've given you this resource, or I've given you the ability to do this, or I've given you this person. And another thing for me is I'm very impulsive. (laughs) 
I want what I want when I want it, and I want relief, and I want ease, and I want comfort. And so sometimes my higher power says to me, it's okay to be uncomfortable. I'm here. I've got this. I've got you. I've had you. And so just to, for me to be able to write this message from my higher power in this very loving and caring way, that even if there isn't a black or white answer, you know, do this or do that, just to be reminded, look at how far I've carried you, Becca. I'm not going to let this, your cell phone not working today is not going to be the end of the world. Like, I've got you. And that was literally my two-way prayer this morning. (laughs) That's all. Thank you for the question, Alexis F. from New Jersey. Next up is Lori, and you'll give me further details, I hope, and then followed by Anne-Marie. If I got that right, Lori, do you want to press star one, please? What's your question? Well, Becca, maybe not on that one. Let's go with Anne-Marie then. Hey, Anne-Marie, star one, are you ready with your question? Anne-Marie, star one, your question. Well, we'll just keep going on. We'll just keep moving on here. Let's. How about Royce Ann? Royce Ann. Seems odd here. Uh, no, good Is that you, Royce Hello. Ann? Oh, good. Good deal. Okay, that. Okay, uh, that was unusual. Your question, please, Royce Ann. Okay, thanks. Um, at, first of all, um, that was such a beautiful share, Rebecca. I it, like every sentence. I was like, that's me, that's me. Um, so thank you for that honest transparency. Um, so my question is, um, coming from the background of black and white thinking and perfectionism, um, it, it's time, it, the issue of sponsoring, it's time for me to sponsor again. And I'm through my head is already, all these things are coming up, you know, have I have issues with boundaries and saying no and being clear. So I have a, an ADD kid that plays travel ball on the weekends. It's starting up every weekend. And an addict ex-husband and um, an elderly parent and a job coming. And I so my first instinct is fear. Like how do I how do I manage all this? How do I make time? How do I you know I do a little routine in the morning, but I do it my first 15 or 20 minutes of my workday. Um, and trying because I'm trying to, to cram in the workout in the morning because I got it's it's all these things and I'm like am I full of crap like are all these excuses because I feel like one more thing on my plate will break me and sponsoring if I can't do it just perfectly I just can't do it because I have to meet all the needs and requirements I just and I don't know what's BS and what's you know and what's legitimately I'm overloaded um I, I guess I just wanted some insight because you sound like your life is very busy and full also. But of all these 400-something people on the line, I'm sure that I'm not the only one in this situation. And there are plenty of recovered strong sponsors on here. So I just wanted to hear some insight on how do you how do you discern boundaries in that, that way and fear and 
and and how do you know when you're just full of it <laughs> you know and that may sound like a nut job question but that's my question if you can shed any light <laughs> oh sister i am with you <laughs> um yeah i mean it's and that's it i think about when my sponsor reminded me like remember it was agreed upon at the beginning that you would carry this message to the still-suffering compulsive overeater. And I was. I was willing to do anything to get out of the dang food. And it's not easy. It's not comfortable. Um, I'm, such a, I, I'm such a perfectionist. I want to do it perfect. Like, I don't even care how you show up in our relationship, but I want to be the perfect sponsor. So right. when I have to end a call because my kids are screaming and I cannot focus. I mean, it it literally makes my skin crawl. But it's an opportunity for that defective character to be worked on. And God says, remember, you're human, just like your fellows. You can't do it perfect. And then when the kids quiet down, I call back and I apologize and I move on. It's just those practices. like, And it's so, I wish so much that I could just, check a box and do this and do that and be done with it. But it's fluid, it moves, it changes. Um, thank God my my first sponsee um, is, a, is a mama to five adult kids, and she's just been so good to work with. She gets it. She She knows. And, you know, and here's the opposite. If it was someone who didn't have kids, maybe they would get it, and they would know, and they would say, hey, this isn't going to work. And... And I can leave a relationship amicably instead of, like, you're dead to me. I hate you. You know, how dare you treat me like that? But it just presses me into all of those scary spots of being uncomfortable. But that's where God is. That's where my connection to my higher power is. That's where I put my hand in the hand of God's when I'm, like, scared and afraid and, you know, frightened. That's when God comes in as the hero and says, remember, I've got you. I'm right here. Yeah. Oh, that's really helpful. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks, Roxanne, for your question this morning. That's Roxanne F. Let's go back just real quick here and see if Lori is still out there to ask her question of Becca. Give you a chance to press star one. Don't want to miss you. Okay. Looks like that's a permanent miss. And then Anne-Marie, M, are you still there? The press star one for your question. Okay. Looks like that's also a hard no on that one. So let's move on. That brings us to Denise. Denise, we caught up with you very quickly, and it's going to be followed by Patricia. Star one, Denise. Hi, this is Denise. Um, I'm recently... (laughs) Denise, could you Um, give me the first initial of your last name? And then maybe your second name, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's Denise O. from Wisconsin. Okay, thanks so much. Um, I'm newly recovered. And yes, it is definitely a miracle. (laughs) Um, Thank you, God. Um, Thank you for this meeting today, too. Um, I I have... my sponsor and I have been talking, and I know that since I completed step 12, I was supposed to go into um, 
sponsoring, but I'm struggling with it. And thank you for Becca for your share. Cause a lot of these things are things that I've been thinking about. Um, and I know that I'm delaying it, even though I put my name out there to sponsor and I've set it at meetings and things like that, but secretly in my mind, I'm hoping that nobody um, calls me. <laughs> so, and I think, and I'm trying to figure out why that is. And I think it's that idea that I want to be the perfect sponsor and I want to have the perfect sponsee. Um, afraid of failure, um, not having control because I know that um, uh, and my, my sponsor is wonderful. And, and I said when I first started working with her that no matter what she said, I was going to do it because I was that desperate. So I guess my question is, I just want to give you a little background and I'll probably call you off um, or uh, call you off about your pre-step work because I'd like to know a little bit about that. Um, but my question is, how did you take that first leap? And then how do you keep yourself organized? And I have this little fear of not remembering what I talked with the sponsor and kind of like, and I just think that's really important to be able to do that correctly. That's a good question. Thank you. Um, I, I'm just reminded, like, I am, I am the student. He is the teacher. I am the, he is the principal. I am the agent. Because when I'm trying to, have everything like organized and perfect and have this expectation like there's nothing wrong with being organized um i am organized as far as the step work goes like this is what i did let's you know you you listen to this podcast let's talk about it you read this let's, let's talk about it but um i mean i let god come in like it's it's god's work with the person um, I'm there to bear witness I'm there to show you what I did but ultimately like at the end of the day it's between the person and God and so again it just presses those character defects of, con- of perfectionism and black and white thinking um, it's not always going to look the same it's not always going to be easy I will say it's great when you get a sponsee who is very much the same type of person as you. It's so easy, and it's so enjoyable, and it's like a little gift from God. <laughs> but when I get people who are completely opposite of me, um, there's something to be learned there too. And I'm just grateful to be able to show up and remember I'm no longer in the driver's seat and you know, when I think that maybe I don't need that 20 minutes of quiet time in the morning, I'm quickly reminded, like, I need to see through prayer and meditation how to carry God's will out, how to do, how to be a sponsor, how to be um, a vessel of this program, what my service is going to look like. Um, and again, it, it's it's in my own recovery that helps another person thanks for the question thank you very much for the question Denise O from Wisconsin next up is Patricia P and then Freya H will come after Patricia your question please Patricia good morning yeah my name is Patricia P from Michigan Uh, my question uh, to Becca is uh, I have a sponsee that uh, keeps slipping and I try and have her to sponsor so she can be of service. Does she have to be absent before she can be a sponsor? Yes. 
Yeah, I think about a vision for you. We cannot transmit something we haven't got. Now, I do think that to be a sponsor, I need to have worked through the 12 steps. And I feel like we could talk all day about slips and food, and um, I'm happy to talk more about that off the phone. But uh, I've had a slip and in my recovery, and my sponsor had me do some, we paused step work for a few days. She had me do an inventory. Um, I will say it was much more a behavior slip than uh, a, a red light food slip. But um, my instinct was, oh, my gosh, I need to let go of my, all my sponsees. I need to start over. I need to probably need to go to inpatient, like, because that's how extreme I am. I'm black and white. I'm, it's all or nothing. And so my sponsor lovingly suggested, you know, get quiet. Talk to your higher power about this. That's a lot of work to go back and start over. And you're so close to the end. You're so close to finishing. And maybe what you need is to get back in step one with a sponsee. And I don't think that was a message from her. I think that was a message from my higher power to get back up, keep moving forward, and get into service of sponsoring. Thanks. Thank you very much. Patricia, for your question this morning, next up is Freya H., followed by Lee H. Hi, Freya. Your question, please. Hi, this is Freya H. in Colorado. Thank you so much, Becca. I love the uh, God providing, even in unexpected ways. So thanks for showing up and sharing. Um, I I have two questions. One is just logistics-wise. How do you know when you you know, are full when you have, when you're, your sponsor, you know, you have enough sponsees. Um, and do you stay in touch with those people after you work through the steps? And then what does, um, what does your, what does it look like when you're working with them in terms of, you know, are you just scheduling, are you trying to schedule regularly or is it more, more flexible? So that's just kind of more about the logistics. And then the other question you mentioned, you know, your sponsor made it really clear to you that, you know, that it was her, that her recovery depends upon, you know, working together. And I've, I've had the situation where I'll, you know, start working with somebody and then they, you know, fall off the map or they don't call or they're inconsistent. And I'm left in a place where I don't know whether to take on someone new because I don't know if they're, you know, if they're in or they're out and, and then I find I get resentful, you know, because I'm like, well, my, you know, my recovery depends on this. So I need, you know, um, just any, any comments on, on that situation. I don't know if that makes sense. Thanks. No, it, it really does. And I think um, I can feel my own distress coming and I'll think, I need to be in the steps. I need to be, and, and I'll reach out to my sponsees and I'll say, hey, do you have any of the step work I've sent you done? Because I have some time today. Let's go through it. Um, and, it's again, it's not black and white. Sometimes I have to get really clear and, and I have to say things that are very uncomfortable, like 
if now's not the time for you, that's okay. I love you. I'm here for you when you, you're ready. But my recovery depends on intensive work with someone else. And I don't make it about them, like you're bad, you're fired, you're out, you're not doing it enough. But I make it about me. Like my recovery depends on intensive work with another person. And so if you're not ready to do this intensively, look, I get it. I love you. I'm here for you. But I I have to be very clear. And it just presses everything I don't want to do. Um, and then about the logistics of sponsorship, I, I shared just a little bit about that. I'm full right now. I'm not sponsoring anybody else. But like I said, I um, I will help people find sponsors. And it used to be like I'm either taking a sponsee or I'm not taking anybody. And now, yeah, I'm full. I'm not taking anybody currently. But if you want to text me or call me, I have some great meetings that I go to that have a, an amazing amount of recovered people who post in the chat group that they're available sponsors. I've got some really good resources that I've found, and I'm happy to share with um, a newcomer. I feel like there are sponsors out there who are just waiting to take people through the the steps, and it's just about, you know, connecting them. I hope that helps. Thank you, Freya H., for your question. Next up with a question is Lee H., and then after Lee, depending on the time, we might have an opportunity to invite maybe two more people to ask a question. So, Lee, your question first, please. Well, thanks, Melanie. This is Lee H. in Tennessee. And, Beck, it's so good to hear your voice and to hear your share this morning. And these have been great questions. And, honestly, I think my question has been answered. But one thing that did pop out was uh, you mentioned something about when you were talking with the sponsee about steps one, two, and three, and how um, you go through just the memories of, you know, the white knuckling, the, the process that you went through with that sponsee, and how it really creates a real connection with the sponsee. Uh, how important is that? Does that make sense? Is that a question that you can answer for me? Thanks. Yeah. I do think there's a bit of chemistry in sponsoring. Um, some people jive really well together. If you've been around long enough to experience a divine-inspired outreach call and you're just like, wow, God put this person in my life for that, you know, to share that. Um, so sometimes it's like dating, I think. You know, our our our, our personality is going to be like, and you know, chapter seven, working with others, gives us very clear directions about how to approach the newcomer, and it doesn't say anything about like you have to be compatible. It doesn't say that. Like, but my experience is, I get to know them. I ask about their family. What's you know? Do you have kids? Do you work? Do you work from home? You know. I don't ask them too much, but, you know, just kind of I get to know them. And in Chapter 7 it says that, you know, it, 
it was back in the 30s when we would approach them at their homes and their spouses would be there and it talks about how we would you know approach them and what we would say and how we would do it and and so I try to do that I, I try to carve out um, at least an hour the first couple times we talk uh, and I know for me when I was entering in the program I was desperate and I wanted to be on someone's life raft <laughs> like so and to also be in the share of what it's like you know because when I reached out for help I mean my butt was on fire I was those three horsemen the terror bewilderment I mean I was there and it was so nice to have someone who could hold my hand and say, yes, me too, and guess what? There's a way out. You don't ever have to feel like this again. And it is. I think of it as a hospitalization, you know, when the old-timers would um, sober someone up. You know, those first three days, there were you would sit with the alcoholic. You would maybe even spoon-feed them alcohol so that they wouldn't go into DTs. I mean, I have to be, I kind of take that approach to working with someone brand new. Like, it's really intensive that first three days. Heck, that first couple weeks is really intensive. Um, That's why I don't try to put a time limit or try to put expectations on what it should look like, but rather um, just really be with them as if we're, in the hospital we're we're walking through this and I'm outlining like this is what I did this is the first thing my sponsor gave me can you listen to this podcast and call me back and maybe maybe you'll have to call me back at 9 p.m. because my kids go to sleep you know but I'm in just I'm hand in hand shoulder to shoulder our literature says I am with you like let's do this together What's the next, you know, maybe not even the next 24 hours. What's the next 12 hours look like? Can you listen to this podcast? Can you make a call to this person? Can you get on this meeting? What are you willing to do right now? Not for the rest of your life, but what are you willing to do right now? And then we come back and and we meet and, and I give them a little bit more work and a little bit more. Usually within those first three days, they go through this process of the what I call the pre-steps. Um, and we're at also, you know, we're identifying red light foods and food behaviors. We're talking about the powerlessness. We're talking about where we've gone with food. We're sharing in the camaraderie of, of where food has taken us. And I'm sharing the gift of recovery and that there is hope. And then after those three days, when we decide whether or not we're going to have a relationship, I have to be really clear about what the expectations from there on are and um, I do expect you to call me every day to be in touch to commit your food Um, I do expect your attendance to meetings and and why do I expect these things because these are all the things that I did these are all the things that gave me this beautiful recovery it's all I know I hope that helps thank you Lee for your question this morning let's take um Two more people that might be interested in asking Becca are a question this morning. One, to be the person to ask the question, and the second one, as a backup as time allows. Who would like to ask a question? 
Dana P. Felicia S. Dana P. And then Felicia S. is who I heard. Yes. Got it. Okay, Dana, your question, please. Yeah, hi, Dana P. in California. Thank you, Melanie, for your service today. And, Becca, what a lovely share. Um, I really resonate with a lot of what you said, and especially the part about the slip. Um, my question is uh, around this, my perfectionism. Um, I hear that a lot on the line, and I've always sort of felt that it was a matter of perception, right? I mean, what's perfect? So if you just give a little um, uh, of your experience and how that is for you, um, I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much. Um. Lippy, that's a doozy. I'm like, where do I start? For some reason, I'm thinking about a few months ago, we had to put my dog down. He was an old dog. He was like 17, crazy old. And my um, schedule, I had a, I had a babysitter come. I have two little boys and a 12-year-old daughter. And my daughter wanted to go with me to put the dog down. And... I'm, I'm regimented, I'm scheduled, every, I'm routined. So I have this block of time with this babysitter. It's it's two-hour block of time. And I've got this expectation of in those two hours, we're going to take the dog, we're going to put the dog down, we're going to go to the grocery store, we're going to go to the, we're going to do all these things, and then we're going to come back and, you know, I'm going to get dinner ready. And, this is, and that is not how the day went. What it looked like was the vet, put the dog down, and then the last thing the vet said to my daughter was, take as long as you need to, sweetie. And my daughter took as long as she needed. And every time I looked at her with eyes saying, are you ready to go? She would just shake her little head and say, no, not yet, Mom. And my perfectionism and my control and all this emotion was just, I could feel it pulsating through my body, and I just sat I just sat with my daughter as she grieved the loss of her dog, and she experienced her grief. And it was contrary to everything I wanted to do, to numb out, to to go, to do, to um, not have to feel. And I don't know why, of all the stories, that's the one that came to mind, but it was very poignant to me. And, again, it's where I met God. It's where I felt God. I was able to show up for my daughter in a capacity that I could have never shown up before. Um, I would have been like, okay, 15 minutes, let's go. We got we got things to do. And I, I didn't have to do that. That's all. Thank you very much, Dana P., for your question. Hey, Felicia, let's get you in there and ask your question. And in uh, consideration of time, it's kind of tight, but let's do it. Star one, Felicia. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm Felicia S. from New Jersey. I'm a recovering compulsive overeater. Thank you, Becca, for your um, for your talk and your message. And thank you all who are doing service on this call. My question is: When you are working with a sponsee, how do you help them as they're sort of finding their legs in their way? to differentiate between what is their will and being willful and what is God's will for them. How do you, how do you help them uh, on that part of the journey? Thank you. I just, 
I just try to take them back to that prayer meditation time. What what are you getting in that prayer meditation time? I had a sponsee just recently was like, nope, this is too hard. I'm out too much. And I was like, okay, it, nice nice working with you. I'm, I'm here for you if you need me. And then the next day, she texted me back and said, I've, you know, I got quiet this morning, my meditation, and and God spoke to her. Her higher power spoke to her, and um, and so yeah, I just I really have to take myself out of the driver's seat and let God be the director. And um, all I can do is share. I don't have any tie to the results or the outcomes. Um, at the end of the day, when when someone puts their head on their pillow. It's between them and their higher power, just like it's between me and my higher power. My job is to carry the message. Have I done that? That's all that matters. It doesn't matter how they've received it or what the end product is. Have I done my part? Thank you very much. Lovely. Good timing. That's great. Thank you so much. And that is the last bit that we have to ask questions today. We've we just what is it, squeezed all that we can out of it? The answers were so wonderful. Thank you again, Becca. You have offered so much, a great deal in teaching as a guide and a sponsor for us to have as a recorded archive piece of teaching, and it's just been wonderful. We will now close our meeting today by reading from page 164, which is our book is meant to be suggestive only, and then we'll move on to the next bit after the recording has stopped. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own health is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you 